Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, internet? I don't use. What's good, <laughs> internet? It's June. Hello, internet. I was gonna say six, but it's the it's the seventh, right? We say the date yeah. that it publishes. Yeah, the day that it comes out. Uh, Although I guess technically it mm-hmm. is currently as it's being recorded the day before. Yeah, but I feel like that's one of those mm. wave a magic wand. <laughs> Have we always done that though? Now I I'm wondering. Not- I'm thinking back. I think Rob always does the day that it comes out. Unless, of course, there's, you know, question of, like, when is that? Who knows? (laughs) Now I'm wondering if that's settled law. Hmm. I don't think it is. I think we can maybe settle it today if we want. (laughs) While Rob's on. Hey, Hey, Rob, Rob. we actually decided we're going to say, just to confuse ourselves in the audience, we're going to say the date that we're recording it, not the date it comes out on. just for just for funsies, but uh, yeah, this is episode four eighty seven. Listen to Waypoint Radio. Uh, I am today your host, Patrick Klubik. I'm joined by our producer, Ricardo Contreras. I think it's actually not for funsies. I think it's for truth, truthies. Mm. It's for being truthful. Truthies? And... Well, I don't really <laughs> like that. I'm not a huge fan of that word. That sounds like something Stephen Colbert would yeah. have said. That has was funny yep. at the time, and then has been revealed to be. <laughs> <laughs> not great no um, yeah. and hello Ren that was the podcast intro equivalent of someone spilling multiple drinks <laughs> that was incredible I love I loved that. I loved that Rob's so prepared I'm just like I don't know I've got I've got some text somewhere that I could read I guess <laughs> okay. and I do that in the hopes that not in the hopes of knowing I don't listen to the podcast when I'm not on it I'm, that's just you know if I didn't record it like right. I don't need to be there Rob has historically listened to them mm-hmm. um is probably listening to this one and i'm sure has is just f- furious over the fact that i'm just not ca- have not carefully constructed my intro um <laughs> in the way in the way that he does that so introdu- very prepared that introduction had the same energy of someone like walking into a bar and dropping a stack of papers and being like my screenplay it was it was, it was <laughs> this what is this guy's <laughs> You know. <laughs> My screenplay. <laughs> Are people doing that even in LA? They're just, they're just walking. You've heard of you've heard of making up a guy to get mad at? I will make up a guy to make fun of. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's fair. Y'all see y'all see this fucking nerd with a screenplay? What a dork. <laughs> yeah, that's what the writer says. Yeah, <laughs> I, need writing? This, I need this person Fuck to that. bully that had the audacity to write a screenplay. <laughs> I um okay. I, I hold on, though. The audacity yeah. to print out a screenplay. That's the th- and that's the thing, <laughs> right? But in this it's scenario, the fact that he this has person is not the screenplay <laughs> and is like walking around with a screenplay. This is on him. <laughs> See, I think they're doing this on purpose, though. 
Like, I think this is like, how do I get noticed? Play. How do I get <laughs> out? My screenplay. Uh, my <laughs> screenplay. Excuse be... me, sir. I see you picking up papers off the floor. I'm a producer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please show me. Um, okay, so I was I promised a video. Um Okay, it's this one. Oh um, right. All right, so this this I this this kicked off because uh Ren, you know, very politely asked how I was doing. I said I was tired because I'd been I spent a chunk of my weekend moving rocks. Um because we were putting some rocks around a, a big tree in our, our backyard to put some flowers and stuff. And I one, uh I, I'm I am if anyone can write in, has the has a product of COVID in which lots of like building materials have gone up. Is that also true of rocks? Is like not inflation necessarily, but you know, like the cost of production has put up like wood and so. I assume a lot of that stuff is still true. I was just sort of if you, how much do you think an individual rock costs? I mean, it's like a stone, right? So you like you know, it's like a rectangle what thing. But like, how much do you rock? think one costs? What uh, size of rock? Free. It's free because you can go out into nature and pick up a rock. Okay. Is the Home Depot considered <laughs> nature? No. I mean, it's if like you try hard enough. Rock, um, <laughs> if you try hard enough, anywhere can be nature. You can pick up any rock. Here, I'll show I have a picture of the rocks. That's please. a picture of the rocks. Please, please, um, please. They're kind of loafy. Loafy. Would you describe this as a loaf? Like a loaf of bread? Sure. Each one loaf? of those rocks is, I'm going to guess. That's a big rock. I'm rock. gonna guess twenty dollars per rock. Jesus per rock, Christ, twenty dollars. <laughs> I make you, these again, money, Rem, You can I, get these I, in nature. <laughs> I would not be paying twenty dollars for rock. My God, you sounded incredible. You can go deep the into cost. the woods and find a large cliff face and find a bunch okay. of rocks. <laughs> I paid two. I paid two two thirty a rock, like two dollars okay. and thirty cents a rock. Not that still twenty dollars like to me, but okay, it was. Yes, that's. <laughs> But was, my wife has a much better sense of like style and aesthetic, and I was like, just pick the one you think looks best, and then we'll just deal with it. And so we got that. Like two dollars, sure. thirty cent rocks. Was there a dollar seventy five rock right next to it that looked awfully similar? Yes, <laughs> but I, that was not for me to for me to choose. It wasn't um, the right shade of gray. Yeah, they're yeah right? they look they're 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 out of they're not quite even yet, um, mm. and I'm three short, um, but uh, they they look pretty nice. Anyway, so if anyone knows if the cost of rocks have gone up. Unless you're a Kado and you just refuse to purchase or like a rock made in the exact same size and shape, so you could stack them yeah. neatly and nicely, so they don't fall over. Kado instead. This is, is a just solved. Out here. This is a solved problem. <laughs> Nature has done this for us. Taking his wheelbarrow out to the woods. Yeah. <laughs> dumping, <laughs> taking oddly sized rocks back to his place, and then spending a year shaving them down so they can all. Oh, this is so much cheaper and more. Efficient. Now that now that is admirable thrift. That would be, yes. <laughs> See, you find even I have the line. I was like, "Look, I, I will, I will purchase these rocks that have been cut uh, for me." Although I, I don't know if we have a good solution for some of the unevenness, and so I don't even know how do you how do you shave down a rock. I don't know what I'm going to do there. I think actually, what you do is you shave down the ground under the rock. I know, I know. <laughs> but the problem is, of... it's I can't do that to the tree root. So that's like a uh, the rut. And it's huge. Like it's a this tree in our backyard is fucking enormous. Anyway, so this is the other thing we did. Um, I'm sending the video now. Um, do 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 do. My Discord. So we have two bushes, and hmm. um, they're extremely big. They came at the house. They scratch you if you try to walk up the steps. So frequently, people just don't go up our front steps. 
unless they don't know better because right. <laughs> you have to you have to essentially walk through a forest. Did you already click play? I'm sorry. No. You didn't say not to. Yeah, I will, I'll. I have on. not clicked play don't, yet. Yeah. I, I, I will wait for Patrick's call. Thank you. Um, like, a, like a professional, Caro. But is, your response is good. That's the response I was looking for. Um, and uh, so I don't know. I was like, I guess I'm going to have to hire someone to take these their bushes. They're, they're huge and you can't really shave them down. because, mm-hmm. As we discovered, if you tried to shave them down to make them more manageable, you actually just take off all of the bush and all you're left is just some sharp branches. Uh, <laughs> I was like, fine, we got to get rid of these, put in something smaller. Uh, and I'd mentioned this absentmindedly to a neighbor of mine. I was like, hey, I'm going to, I'm probably going to take these, probably take these fucking bushes out. He's like, oh, I can help with that. And I was like, well, I mean, I'll, I can shave them down. I got a tool, like yada, yada. He's like, no, 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 no. I can help with that. And I was like, okay. And so if you click play, uh, Ren, we'll, we can go ahead and click play. One sec, and, uh, one sec. Before yeah. I click play, yes. I just want to say that mm-hmm. this video, the the freeze frame mm-hmm. that it begins on in the Discord preview is already painting a picture of a thousand <laughs> words. It is, it is mm-hmm. the pile of dirt on the ground. I'm so excited. Uh yeah, this is this is this is suburbia in a nutshell. Um and then all right, so uh on well, um, three, two, one, and then we'll click play. Got it. So three, two, one. <laughs> That's a bush. That's a bush. Uh, So, for to paint a picture uh, for obviously people who have not seen this video, uh, a neighbor of mine has a jeep, and he's got the tools to. No, hold on, hold on. You have to describe the way that the 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 video opens on a shot of a Mm -hmm. what could barely be called a bush is really kind of a bundle of branches that is because I I shaved that motherfucker down to the bones, (laughs) to the bones, the bones of what used to be a bush. A small uh, pink scooter off to the side for some reason. Yep. Very good world, world building here. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And what looks like, um, I'm not exactly sure if that is a uh, one of those um, oh, ratchet clamp uh, straps, you know? You know those? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at it. That is what it is. Yeah. Uh, kind of tied around it. like, And that's the whole mm-hmm. frame. The ratchet strap. The, the strap goes off the side and just, like, holds for, like, a split second before turning to reveal a fucking Jeep. Hummer? Jeep? What? Is that a, a big car. A I think big it's, it's, I think it's a, an actual, like, Jeep Jeep. It's a um, Jeep Jeep. Okay, that's a Jeep, yeah. Just revving over there revving. off to the side, ready to pull it out of the ground. It's it's beautiful. Uh, the the, se- the sec- That one came out no trouble. Didn't, like, uh-huh. did, like, zero work. Yeah. The, uh, the right out. next one, I'll show uh, some uh, some evidence here, uh, which would show that this next one was harder. Oh, that, no. that is uh, rubber from the tire of the Jeep that had been oh, eroded because of the 14 times that we spent trying to get this next one out uh, that had such a deep root system that what we were doing was just like bouncing on shovels around it <laughs> to just hope we hit some root. And then my... Like my, my neighbor also had a tool that like you can just kind of like jam it into the ground and it'll like it'll cut through dirt um, uh, to try and sever Amazing. that. My wife, my wife is like on a pogo stick, basically just like <laughs> waiting to hear like if you've ever like tried to dig up a substantial plant or like some, you know, you, know, you hear like kind of like crackle. And it's like, aha, yeah. like I've got I've got something under there. Um, 
this other video is processing. Uh, it took, <laughs> I have, I have 14 videos on my phone of like, this is the one. And it's like, this was not, this, this was, was not, not the this one. This was not the one. Oh. Um, all right. If you want to, like, if you want to uh, click pl- wait, all right, three. Wait, wait. Can yeah. I just note my favorite detail of the first Bush video? Sure. And it is Patrick yelling. That's a Bush. <laughs> it is. It is fucking incredible to me it is hearing patrick go that's a bush is it was is a, a gift bush. um that bush i wanted that first bush wanted to escape it was like i no longer want to be part of this home anymore uh this other one was not the not the case so uh all right so three two one. Oh my god yeah we had to keep digging like underneath it to even give it like a leverage point. Like basically the shoutouts to the this strap. Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger gnomes. Yeah, people are always <laughs> taking pictures of that, and they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry, can I take a picture of your front yard?" I was like, "Yeah, I guess it's fine." I realize they're cool looking. Oh, big squeak! Oh. Whoa. <laughs> and if you just see, I mean, some of the roots on that motherfucker are wow. Yeah, those are incredible. Yeah. So that's Long. that makes that. That one did not want to leave, or that just is. like once it saw its brother removed, said, "No thanks, I, I'd like to stay here, please." Um, I think a bunch of that is because the that one is next to a bunch of other yeah. plants and root systems that are all like intertwined, whereas that right. the other one was just sort of on its on its own. But um, you yeah, that's like, how I spent. So you covered that up, and those little bits of root stood down there. Most of it got out. I got to do okay. some. I have to clean it up. Unfortunately, it's now raining today, which is now I'm gonna have to wait until Ugh. it. Well, I don't know. That might make it easier actually to to clean some of it up um, instead of just digging up dry dirt. But um, but yeah, that was we just I was on the side like drinking a beer, screaming as a jeep <laughs> ripped up bushes from my yard. Um, so you know, just completely completely normual stuff. Just some of the that's- whitest stuff possible. But you know, that's just. <laughs> That's just my life sometimes. That's pure dad right there. That mm-hmm. is that is pure, pure, da- yes, pure unadulterated dad. dad. <laughs> put a slow motion, you know, put that in slow motion, add some some Budweiser, you know, just pure dad. The dad values are are off the charts, if I'm being honest. Um today we are gonna do we're gonna do a, a citizen sleeper spoiler cast after the after the break um uh is there is there anything anyone else played this weekend they want to shout out or talk about before we get over to uh sleeper cast time um i just started v rising it's that uh survival vampire game i picked i picked that up over the weekend um it seems neat uh i am not playing on like a public server because uh other people could be mean to me I don't like that one bit. Uh, so I'm playing on my own private server. Um, I will, which I will hopefully add friends to should they get the game. Uh, and I think that game is interesting. It has basic like a castle build- building game that's also a sur- vampire survival Diablo style thing, right? Yes, is that it is like, like Valheim mashup, correct? It is it is a Valheim style survival game where you're like punching trees. You're not actually punching trees. You have axes, but you're chopping down trees. You're breaking copper. But also there is this actually pretty in-depth combat and um, skill system, which is done in a really cool way, I think. Uh, basically, there are a bunch of people scattered throughout the world who have vampire blood in them. Uh, and even if they aren't vampires themselves, they have like special blood, right? And if you drink their blood, 
you then get to unlock their specific vampire skills. There's hmm. also a hmm. really neat um, buff system uh, that comes from what type of blood you're drinking. So drinking beast blood comes with a certain amount of buffs. Drinking warrior blood comes with a certain amount of buffs. Drinking rogue blood comes with like a certain set of buffs. So are and we bottling these up like I'm going down to the wine cellar? And it's like, how, no. how am I feeling today? Like, I would like a little <laughs> warrior blood. No, that's the interesting part is that you can only have one at a time. And okay. also the amount of buffs you get is dependent on the quality of the blood. Like the, like the, like whether or not mm. the blood is like gross or not. <laughs> and so the, the stronger, the stronger the blood, the more powerful the buffs you get. So like sometimes mm. like I was playing recently and I was in a fight with this enemy and I was playing against an enemy who was way over leveled for me. But here's the thing. In her little, like, posse of guys that were with her, there was a dude with 65% quality warrior blood. And that unlocks three tiers of the warrior buff path. And I was like, okay, I have to spend the rest of this fight being careful I don't kill that guy. Because if I suck his blood during that this fight, she will kill me. Uh, like, the, the woman who was, like, way overleveled for me, she will kill me. So I have to focus on like trying to maneuver myself and fire my skill shots in such a way that I'm hitting everyone but this one dude who I'm trying to keep at one HP. So the second the fight is over, I can vampire him. Um, and Does, that was like is it the kind of thing that you could do mid fight if you what it just like it takes too like it's an animation that has to cycle in order for yeah. it to. It's about seven seconds. Activate. Okay. Ooh, uh, okay. In seven seconds for enemies just to do whatever they want to. Uh, and I was fighting against a woman who was way over leveled for me. And so her each of her arrows was taking out like, I would say like 13% of my health bar was being taken out by every arrow. And I was already on like half of my health at the beginning of the fight. And that was after, that was like, after, that was like before all of the fighting that got me down, that got the dude who I wanted down to one HP. Uh, and so by the end of the fight, I was basically on one hit trying to dance around this enemy that I should not be fighting so I could get to her little fucking buddy <laughs> who has the who has the yummy, yummy blood. And then I got it. And those buffs were super useful. Um, Is it on, a, like, on a, like a, a timer? Like you get it for half an hour? Like how long? How did the buffs operate? You actually get to keep them for a while. It's for how it's as much blood as you took from the person. So I took mm. 10 liters of blood from that guy. And so it will drain over time slowly, or you can heal yourself by using blood. Um, so like after a fight, you can go somewhere else and like transfer all of the blood in your blood supply into hit points. Uh, but that means that you're draining blood faster, which means that you'll have to abandon that buff for another one sooner. Um, I think it's, I think it's actually like pretty neat. The combat feels solid. Um, it is like a top down game where you like swing a sword around um feels fine uh the dodge is really fun to use i will say because you basically like turn into a vampire mist and leave a copy of yourself the hmm. enemies will attack and then you go invisible and so like if you're fighting someone like a large group of enemies your dodge is basically like okay cool i'm going to dodge get around someone and then pop back into existence and get a backstab and is it, is it direct control or is it like a Diablo like click? Direct like control. Okay. Um, and so that dodge also gives you a boosted attack that heals you. 
And so it's like very, very, it's, it's, it's really satisfying to like swing behind someone and do an attack that heals you and then be like, okay, cool. Now the fight is on my terms again. It's, it's a very dash in, dash out. You feel like a vampire fighting a group of people where you're just like juggling four people simultaneously and like scritch, 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 scritch. Um, <laughs> truly, truly Morbius-esque. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so As someone you, who you saw know, that movie. There's more Morbin time happening here than in... I saw that movie, too, and I don't remember any of it. and had nothing to do with the, the drinks being consumed. Uh-huh. It's because it's just a nothing of a film. I, I, I like rewatched a trailer, and I was like, maybe I was... I was like, how do I not remember vast swaths of the 90 minutes I spent watching this movie? And I was like, I just don't. Well, it's, it's a just tight like 90. Made, it's a tight 90. It's, it's a tight... It's very, well, yeah, it's, well it's, it's, define the word tight. <laughs> How can something be extremely short and also feel disastrously, disastrously long at the Whoa. same time? Oh uh, no! <laughs> this is extreme. Like somehow manages to like Matt Smith is like an actor I, I quite like, and he's you know what he's swinging. He's like he's God. He's he's, he understands so hard. He he's trying to uh, play to the camera in a way that Jared Leto is not. Jared Leto is in, in like a more serious film than Matthew Smith is, and at least Matthew Smith is there to. There's a reason, like, one of the few things that has become, like, a genuine source of enjoyment from that film is him like, dancing <laughs> half-naked in a room <laughs> while, like, a rap song plays, and he does, like, vampire cosplay. It's incredible. Matt Smith becomes a vampire Richard Spencer so fa- it's inc- It is in-fucking-credible to me, the speed with which Matt Smith becomes... Uh, vampire Richard Spencer. He even has the Richard Spencer haircut, and then like within three <laughs> seconds, he is spouting neo-Nazi bullshit. It is, it is incredible oh, how he gets the blood. Not established. How he gets the serum that turns him into a vampire. Not established because someone says, "No, I will not give you the serum." And then he just shows up later in the movie as a vampire, and you're like, "I guess he got it somehow." Everything about the movie is discoherent in a way that is like astounding to me it's pacing is ugh, ugh. what a weird fucking film it's yeah it's a very it's a it's a it, and it should be clear like it's not like a fun bad it's just it's it's just you just want to watch a bad movie <laughs> like, and then morbius morbius is your i mean i read that that film was like was shot when or like scripted when sony thought they were gonna like break up with marvel over the spider-man stuff and so it seems like this might be half a movie because literally they had to cut half of the movie out to make the plot work once they'd signed a new deal with Marvel, Wait. which maybe would explain some of the wild pacing and mm. like leaps of plot logic. But it's a shitty movie anyway. Like, it's just, <laughs> I mean, they did that whole bit where they put it out. Fucking, I got Jared Leto to put out a tweet that said, He's reading a script that says Morbius 2, it's Morbin time or whatever. Like, just, you know, the when meme. you have the actors leaning into the meme, that means you have completely... The meme is completely, it's Yeah, gone. the meme is dead. Um, <laughs> well, it's no it, longer Morbin time. They put it on theaters again. It made $85,000. Like, it probably cost millions just to... I don't know what the process is, but I can't imagine it's free to just get it back into theaters. And I'm certain it costs more than eighty five k. And that revived the meme. That's the, that is the mm-hmm. funniest part to me is that they have like, they thought that they understood, like, this is, this is a, a real joyous moment of a major corporation of thinking it understands the internet in any meaningful so way. So the last one, the last, this, uh, is before your time, Ren. But so this, this, this template of a, a studio 
trying to ride internet culture, thinking it understands what it wants, and that will translate to money, is like best personified by Snakes on a Plane. Um, mm, mm-hmm. uh, the Samuel Jackson film that famously like added the line, like the internet line of like, get these motherfucking snakes off my motherfucking plane. And it was like, well, we do that for the internet in this bad movie. They're going to show up. You know what happened? Nobody showed up because it was just an internet joke did, that people uh, were having goose on. Uh, and that movie, uh, completely bombed. Did some quick math. 80K over the 1,000 theaters that it apparently was is about $80 per theater. There, I looked up, like, if what screenings were around me, I just wanted to see, like, cause on the apps, <laughs> you can see the seating charts, right? So you can see right. where people yeah. have already purchased tickets. I was like, who is the guy? There was only like one one showing semi semi nearby. It was like a 3 p.m. There was one guy sitting dead center. I'm like, what are you doing, buddy? Just you going to see Morbius by, by yourself? Is your buddy your buddy and now someone else, someone else gonna show up? I thought I was like, you know, I feel bad for this person. Like uh-huh. maybe I should buy a ticket next to them and we both show up to the Morbius no! show. <laughs> the most cursed thing, just like Ah uh, yes, yeah, so I'm going to been asking, "Hey, where is uh H7?" Oh, that's right. Looking around at this empty theater. <laughs> empty is that right, theater here? right oh, here? Thank you. <laughs> this Horrible. is sorry, my friend bought the ticket. I, I don't know I don't know where my seat is. This is the dark inverse of the time that I went to the Batman in a f- completely full theater and connected with the dude reading Chainsaw Man in front of me. It's like <laughs> this is this that. is the this is the shadowy other side of the coin mm-hmm. where you show where you intentionally go to an empty theater with one man in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, What's well, the opposite of how my wife and I usually buy movie tickets, which is we wait until the last possible second so that we can get the seats that are like strategically away from people, especially if we were going during COVID. It's like, well, you know, if, if we can tuck our, tuck ourselves away in the corner and as opposed to being surrounded by people, at least that stuff made, um, was helpful. Uh, it's interesting that, that, uh, that V rising is like, it's, I feel like there's one of these like every six months, but there's a game yeah. where the developers go, Oh shit, we sold a lot. Like they didn't like, they, like this game came out of nowhere, had zero, like hype behind it and then but then looked really polished as the type of game that has done really well the last couple of years uh, especially of like a survival game that will play well with streamers like that seems primed to to blow up and then all of a sudden this game over the course of like the last two weeks has sold like i think 1.5 million copies um mm-hmm. and every interview with the developer i've read is just like ah! <laughs> just like an <laughs> exasperated sort of like i don't know like wow it's that's still, nice it's still early um, access isn't it it is, yeah, uh, yeah it's a, it's 0.5. It's at a 0.5, like, release, 0.05 release, um, like, state. Uh, so it's about halfway. They're, like, we're probably going to stay in early access for, like, a year or two. But, like, they're, like, it's basically, it's almost feature complete. We just want to add more content and, and like, a couple more systems to it. But this is, this is a, I mean, like, this is a video game that, from what I understand, you can dump 20 to 50 hours into. And without getting to the end of the content that they have currently available in early access. Um what do you think? When it's, it's the most of these games. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna ask, how's the building? Um, the building's fine. It's it's it is. The building feels like that's the kind of thing that gets built out in early functional. access, though. Is when people go, "Hey, this is what I'd like to put in my sexy vampire castle." Okay, <laughs> we'll go build that. The building is extremely functional. That's uh-huh. the, the thing that I will say is that a lot of games really struggle. 
um, and a lot of these, like, this style of building game really struggles with creating, giving players the ability to create spaces that feel real because mm. it doesn't like having two objects too close to one another. Like, you can't put something directly up against a wall, you know, like you would if you were building a room, because the game is like, ooh, that's kind of close to the wall. What if it gets in the clipping mass? You have to instead have it, like, a few feet off. And a lot of these, this, like, style of building game in my experience. And this is doing a really good job of giving you very finite control. It is also really easy to build with the isometric perspective. Um, This, like, three-quarter, this, like, two-and-a-half, like, view is extremely useful for like placing things exactly where you want them to as opposed to a lot of these games but your first person builders and you're like trying to like finagle something and like is this straight is this not straight i don't know if it's aligned with the wall properly it's it's i think relatively well put together yeah so it, yeah i i i'm curious to see where that goes i've i've, I've seen people trying to graft like steam deck controls onto it i know that they said they're going to try and do proper controller support which it doesn't have uh, quite quite yet but this seems like the kind of game that will I don't know I'm always curious that these games that take off this way if they how much life they have or like people are just so desperate kind of like how like streamers move on like you like it becomes very popular for an X amount of time and then it's like it's just filling the void because there's not much happening in video games right now like there are games to play but it is it is like we've been vacant uh, the beginning of the year was sort of like front loaded with a bunch of really big stuff and now it seems people are sort of desperate for something to play and so I'm, I'm curious what like the sort of lifespan something like v rising gets out of it um but also there's not much coming up <laughs> either um like the the gaming calendar slate is uh pretty pretty dire at the moment okay so looking at a six month calendar actually let's go to the year calendar okay uh so looking at valheim uh valheim uh as of June 26th, 2021, this is before it like broke big, mm-hmm. had 29,764 players uh, concurrence on Steam. Um, that was uh, the Monday of July 26th. Its peak was at August 30th, 2021, at 109,793 concurrent players. It then dropped and then sustained at around 50,000 concurrent players. From September twenty uh, September two thousand and twenty one through uh, uh, through January of twenty twenty two, and then drops to around thirty thousand players. Mm-hmm. So that is like another example of one of these games um, that has actually sustained itself pretty okay. Yeah, it's a pretty um, high floor. Yeah, exactly. Thirty thousand is a pretty high floor, and it has dropped. Once it had had its big spike, and then it dropped to its pre-spike levels and didn't fall off completely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key, is that these games have to try and... The spike is great, but then after the spike, maintaining that, like, 30k that they originally had, that is, like, the sign of longevity to me. Um, even if they can't maintain the 50. Yeah, it's interesting seeing this game, and then <clears throat> I've played... I don't know, like five or six hours of Diablo Immortal, which is like the new free-to-play Diablo game that launched on uh, iOS and Android. But there is also a PC version, and it was interesting to read why they even made the PC version, um, which was because when they did the beta, uh, or one of the betas, uh, they've done a couple for for this game over the past year or so, um, basically content creators and streamers especially were like, hey, it's a huge pain in the ass to 
capture and stream a mobile game. I mean, you can do it. Like it's, it's not hard, but like it's so much easier if you could just give us like a PC client. Um, yeah. and so they literally built the PC client mostly with like streaming and content creation in mind because it was easier for those folks to use a, a native PC client than it was to, you know, connect a HDMI to your iPhone or iPad or to, you know, they have some of those like mirroring services that I've goofed around with before, but none of that stuff is as ideal as just having a native application. But, um, seems like a weird game to play on the PC because it's a very stripped down <laughs> version of Diablo. Like it, I don't, I don't think I would want to mess with that unless I was a content creator who was making that for, you know, for, for my audience. But yeah, so Diablo Immortal is a, I think it takes place after, I don't, I'm, I'm very vague on the Diablo timeline, but it doesn't play, it's not like moving the story forward. It's like, it's, it's parallel um with one and two um mm. and uh it it's a real game to talk about because i haven't hit the the wall yet and i know that the wall is really close so this is a game that uh is a really excellent well-designed fun to play works excellent on touchscreen version of diablo um there's not a whole lot of difficulty involved so it's a lot of just like I'm going to walk forward and the dings are going to come at an increasingly satisfying rate, um, but without like any meaningful push pushback from the game at all. I just, yeah, do, you know, you've got potions and they're on a cooldown, and you should think about that. Well, maybe don't like, cause maybe we're never going to cause any meaningful damage that you're going to have to actually worry about that, which is sort of fine. Like the, again, like the, it's all translated to a touch interface. You can connect a controller and it's got native support for things like the backbone where you can like put your phone into a, controller shell um and you can you, it's got all that stuff there if you want to engage with it that way but um i've been playing it on an ipad and on that screen uh it looks looks really nice you on the, the on the left side you know very traditionally you know use your 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 left thumb to kind of guide the character and on the right you have these you know big uh icons you can press uh to enact your powers but they're all like very easily like accessible um the game is not particularly twitchy. Um, it does a good job of like the, handling like direction directionality of the attacks, in which if you have an attack that isn't just forward or AOE, um, basically like as you press the attack, that initiates the your ability to modify that direction, and you can just press it and it'll go forward. But you can also like basically be as soon as you hold it down, you can sort of just like move your move your finger or your or your right thumb in order to adjust that. It all feels like really seamless and slick, and you can just tell they. You can see in the way that Blizzard games at their best are like, wow, like, yes, are there lots of other action RPGs, Diablo-inspired hack and slashes that have existed on these devices for 10 plus years? Yeah. But then what Blizzard has historically done really well is like come into a space that already exists. It's like, hey, we're going to we're going to give this like the slickest coat of paint possible. And Diablo Immortal, which was not completely developed in-house, I think it was made in conjunction with NetEase, which is like a they make a lot of um free to play stuff. Um, and I don't know how, how much of their involvement was figuring out the monetization and how all that was going to work or if it was on a design uh, side, but regardless, like it feels like a blizzard game in which mm -hmm. like, Oh wow, this is so much, so enjoyable and simple to control that even though the game is not pushing back on me at all, I was just having such a joy, like, you know, you know, watching loot drop, attacking demons and like exploring, exploring the space that it didn't really matter to me. Like, even if I went through all of this and that's all I did, like, this would be a satisfying way to spend, you know, 15 hours. Uh, and so I'm, a, I've done the first two worlds and I'm about to go to the, the third world, which is a desert area. I just got there last night and I was trying to get 
what I've been told is a wall that occurs between like levels 32 and 36, which is everything I'm describing up to this point, which is like, wow, look at this like really satisfying, like leveling up mm-hmm. loot, loot drops, um, like uh, a difficulty curve that, uh, you know, is manageable. Uh, apparently there's just a point where then all of a sudden the game goes, well, time to turn into a free to play game and like, like just pulls a big switch, um, yeah. in which, you are no longer like if you were the, the campaign becomes XP gated um, in order to get meaningful upgrades. You're having to engage like navigating the free to play like gotcha, like loot stuff that is like just navigating the menus gives me a headache. Um, <laughs> and I haven't had to do any of that because almost like the game doesn't is like almost feels like ashamed about like what it's about to become. Right. Like the game presents itself as man. We probably could have made like a pretty cool Diablo game and just charged you thirty dollars for it, right? Oh, we didn't do that. Like we didn't do that, and we don't want to tell you. Like we're so ashamed that like what's on the other side of this. And like, oh, I think the best way to handle this is to make sure you have like a really good time and like really want to play more of this, and then go. Oh no, we built a free to play game on top of this. There are. Um, I want to. Uh, I don't know if I can pull up the video in time, but basically like, one of the ways you get a bunch of meaningful upgrades for your character are you do these like challenge rifts. Like I think they're all like elder rifts or something like that. And in order, you can just run them without, you know, as many times as you want without uh, any sort of a, 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 a lay- so like the, the way the layering works is you can, you're kind of like put, you're buying items that are increasing what you can get out of it to get the best stuff out of it. You need to buy uh, or have, and I think most of this stuff is very difficult to accrue naturally. And most of this is going to happen because you purchase it, like these uh, additional items that increase the rarity, increase the drops. And there was a video floating around this morning of somebody who put in 20, like, here's the difference between a free dungeon run mm-hmm. and then a $20 dungeon run. And the difference was they got basically nothing from the free run and... You know, that, like, if you played a Diablo game, that, like, that very satisfying sound that when a weapon, like, shoots out of a chest, it goes, like, whoo, like, kind of, like, it's a whipping sound, and yeah. then, like, clunks <laughs> against the ground. Like, it's so fucking good, because you know that, like, something cool might have emerged from from that chest. Um, Like, 15 of those things come sputtering out, and it's just, like, you see, like, epic, 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 oh and um, there's all sorts of stuff, and it just seems... You know, this is not uncommon for games of this type that it would have, it's going to hide away uh, a lot of its meaningful upgrades uh, in, in the pay scale. And I don't even mind having to pay if it was as simple as this game is two battle passes, a free one and then a premium one. This is fa- fairly common these days in a lot of mobile games yeah. where you'll, you'll be getting things th- accruing through a regular pass, but then, you know, pay, you pay for a premium one that gives you better drops, um, access to more things and, I, I I was basically like having such a good time in the first couple hours of this. Like I could see myself just whatever. I don't know what it was. Let's say it's ten dollars. Like that's fine. Like that's like a meaningful. Like gets me some cool shit. Like I would be happy to pay for this game anyway. Um, and so I haven't quite gotten there yet. But I, I'm almost of the mind that I, I I that maybe I should just drop it and move on because <laughs> like why keep playing this game that I'm enjoying knowing that this free to play wall is is coming and is going to completely destroy my interest. And then it's going to just turn into a grind. And and that's not, not really what I'm here for. And there's got other stuff from the, one of the developers, uh, I guess ahead of this game's release, Blizzard was sort of like saying publicly, you're not going to be able to buy 
uh, gear. Like gear is not something that's going to be purchasable. You can increase your chances to get better gear, but you can't just outright uh-huh. buy better gear trying to avoid mm-hmm. the the what was that's the store that they had in Diablo three when it when the it real world money around. store. Yeah, yeah. I, the house, I mean, they have a real house, world yeah. money store in this, but the whole like their lesson from Diablo three was, well, you can't buy XP and you can't buy specific items. But then there the caveat here is that you can buy legendary gems like stuff that you're socketing and the 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 buffs and the perks and the upgrades you get out of that are frequently better than you will ever get out of an item itself. And so, in essence, they are selling yeah. gear. They're just not calling it gear, and they're hiding behind that because that's one of the ways they want to, you know, bring in, you know, whales and other folks who are going to spend uh, a ton of money on this game because that's the way that you're going to meaningfully advance. Or, like, you know, you can do so in leaps and bounds in a way that you're not going to do playing the game, you know, trying to avoid the the money part so i don't know just given seeing how much enjoyment people have gotten out of a game like genshin impact which also has all sorts of free-to-play hooks in it but the the refrain i've always heard from lots of people who don't have issues with like free-to-play mechanics it doesn't sort of like get them into trouble uh financially if you can kind of wake work your way around that you can play shitloads of genshin impact and never interact with that um and it just does not seem like that diablo immortal was made with that in mind and that makes me sad because mm-hmm. i've really enjoyed it so far yeah, I think the the thing that I've been thinking about throughout this conversation is the ways in which, like, Genshin Impact was actually the example I was going to use. Mm-hmm. Good free-to-play game design with, like, microtransactions, right, I think has to understand that paying can solve problems in, in the game, right, in terms of, like, getting pulls in Genshin or something like that, right? But you also have to give players enough tools to be able to make interesting strategies that get around that system. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in Genshin Impact, right, you literally might not get the character you're trying to pull. Uh, and that's a bummer. But you still have the tools to build a viable build set around the characters that you do pull. And, like, that viability and the ability to, like, adapt around the free-to-play system is i think the key and what you're describing is a system that does not allow you to adapt around it because like the the top tier gems that you that you really need are in that legendary system and or not legendary in that in that shop Mm -hmm. um and you don't have the ability to like build a cool build around it that is like even off meta right people do off meta builds in genshin all of the time with the characters that they have as opposed to like trying to pull the like you know, S tier character that they need. Yeah, well, that's yeah. that's the that's the thing, right? It's like there isn't really a character that you need; only ever a character that you want, right? Because right. you think they look cool or understand that a certain part of their set would go really well with some of the other characters you've pulled, and like it. And also, isn't it kind of the case in, in Genshin that, uh, like, how does it gate the story, right? Because like, that's the thing that, like, for me, I don't care if I'll never be in the one percent mm. of like high grade like i know that's a lot what people a lot of do in diablo like one of the hooks of diablo is that when you play the normal campaign that's just understanding the arc of like the content in front of you and that a lot of the enjoyment is then going back on increasingly harder difficulties as you are getting better and better loot that increases your dps output and so i understand like that's how a lot of people enjoy diablo over the stretch of like hundreds of, of hours it's why diablo 3 can have things like seasons um because that's how it's structured that's not i'm just here to hack and slash until i kill the big demon right. and uh and, and it dies but uh 
I can't even do that part without engaging in mm-hmm. a bunch of the free to play stuff. And like, that's the thing that really puts me off. And my impression is I've been with Genshin that maybe if some of that stuff might exist, but it's, it's not like front and center constantly reminding you like, Hey, you know, get out your wallet. If you want to see the next story beat. No, the thing that you buy is primo gems, which are used to pull more characters and, or like web, there's a weapon bucket too, but the story, like you can just play through it. Um, I'm trying to remember if there's anything like I don't remember hitting any roadblocks as far as like campaign content goes that would have had me pay into it at all. It's 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 all just like, you know, do the next quest on like the main story quest and you'll be fine. Um, mm-hmm. There yeah, I think- isn't even any like XP hurdles, really like. um. And as far as I can remember, yeah, primo gems are just well. Here's 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 the thing. So you said, and maybe we should be clear about this too. You said you don't have to engage with the gotcha system in Genshin to continue playing it, which isn't exactly true, because the way you get characters in the game is through the gotcha system, right. but you get free currency. So you can play the game without putting money into it. I guess, yeah, that, I guess, sorry, that, I guess, the, yeah, it's like the upfront monetization stuff right. where it's like shoving that down your throat is, seems less in a, in a game like that. At least that's my impression from peeps, people that really like it. It's, it's, it's like, this is the system with which to get characters when they're, when they appear on the, on the little banner. Uh, and you get that currency by doing missions in the game. Like there's dailies that you can do to slowly accrue that currency, but, also, if you want a few more pulls because that character is limited time, <laughs> you can just put some money into the into the primo gem bank, and then you get a lot of primo gems to get more pulls. Is is the real thing? They 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 show it to you like it is. Characters are front and center in the game itself, right? Like mm-hmm. you're always meeting new characters, and then once you've like done their story bits, you might see them pop up as like, oh, this is the featured character for the next two weeks you're like shit i really liked that character because i've met them already like they're trying to get you invested in them as as character as people so that when they pop you're like oh shit yeah i want to spend some money to get the extra pulls to actually make sure i pull them specifically well and i I think something specific to uh, diablo immortal is that like they already made a good diablo game i mean diablo 3 had its problems Uh but like it came they came out the other side of that making a game that people quite like and Diablo one and two, like they made a Diablo game, but like, and they made another one of these here. It's like, you, you already had a model. Like they work pretty well. Like the loot is random and you've got to go through a lot of bullshit to get the stuff you want, but it didn't require, uh-huh. it didn't feel as exploitative. Like in some level, like loot stuff is exploitative in and of itself because you're just asking people to run things over and over, hoping that the math runs in their favor. But as long as the like, moment to moment mechanic like that's the deal it's like well the moment to moment mechanics are going to feel good and like that's going to be the motivating factor to want to come back and do this over and over again right and it's like they already did that in diablo but then like if blizzard might have been better off then maybe there'd be less it's hard for me to say because i don't really engage with these games to begin with so it's it's difficult for me as an outsider to like well i kind of think this is all shitty but like i don't on the on the layers of like good shitty and bad shitty like where does a game like diablo immortal fall everything i'm reading is like it's a bad one that that this is like really like a poor implementation like really exploitative really like destroys a lot of the momentum the game has um 
and maybe they would, but maybe they would have better served having a different IP. But you're using Diablo because it's a it's a name brand. People are going to click on it because they see Diablo. But then you're also going to run into the issue where you have the core Diablo audience, and maybe they just ultimately don't care that like the the mass audience is actually what matters here, and not the like much smaller core Diablo audience. But those people are going to be the ones that immediately go, "Yeah, you already solved this problem. Like you just made a new problem." because you wanted more money and like that doesn't feel good if you're a diablo fan also knowing that diablo 4 is you know that game was really impacted by a lot of the culture shit that activision blizzard has gone through in the last year and a half and they've lost a lot of senior leadership and so my guess is that game is not coming out for you know another 18 months and so if you're a diablo fan who hasn't played anything meaningfully new in some years like you're left with this flawed compromised version of diablo that plays really slickly but also feels like it's trying to hustle you the entire time. Have you heard of V Rising? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, there you go. It's not a mobile though. Not a mobile yeah, though. Key, yeah, that's uh, true. key key to that. I'm sure it will be eventually. Um anyway, so I'm gonna try and hit that wall. I can report back when I do. But uh let's take a break. We're gonna uh come back. We're gonna spoil some Citizen Sleeper, a game that well, I guess Kato, you did finish it. Yes. <laughs> I assume you did. Okay, I did. all right. All right, you finished it this weekend. All right, we'll be back. We've got some of your questions. We'll talk about our endings. Um, so if you've not played Citizen Sleeper from the jump, we're just going to spoil it. So if if that is where you get off this train, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, everyone else, stick around uh, after the break, and we'll be back to spoil that game. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. And we're back. Um, well, I'm not back. I am now part of the ship. I have become intertwined. Oh my in god! Its inner consciousness. Oh my god! I, I, Holy I am shit! No, are you you are you fucking kidding me? Oh I'm my fused. god! I'm fused. I'm, I'm met the plant people. You joined the river. Said, I am. I am now. I am now. I am now one of you. Let's go. Wow. That. Wow. Rejecting that ending is probably my favorite some of my favorite lines of dialogue in the entire game that I, is, we should, that well, yeah we so, should get there i have like a really complicated feelings on how i arrived at that ending and why i arrived at that ending um uh, uh and we had a lot of questions same. related i think that was as you just alluded to ren like that i think that entire sequence if you got to it was caused a lot of anxiety for, for people <laughs> as they tried to <laughs> work through it but yeah citizen sleeper um part of 2022's you know banger year of narrative games um <laughs> The Renata Never Price. Never in my fucking life. <laughs> the Renata Price. Well, we a- narrative banger of the year award. <laughs> uh, yeah, we haven't done award. I don't think we haven't done awards in, in. Well, we didn't do them last year. I think we did, did them the year before. But if we do them this year, that will the, the, the Renata the Renata Price 2022 year of the narrative banger award goes to <laughs> insert. Yeah. Well, currently we have we have we have Norco. We have 
Scissor Sleeper, and then I guess the hard uh, the Shipbreaker has probably also been been added. No, maybe not. Mm, yeah, I, I heard the narrative was kind of eh. like uh, I like so. That game's narrative is extremely well deployed through its gameplay systems. I think its its writing it leaves a little bit to be desired, and it's gotcha. it's uh, like narrative design. Um. Well, let's start with. Okay, Kyle, you just finished the game, so you're the most recent one to yeah. have seen an ending. Um, where I don't know, like where 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 did you leave off, and then I guess walk us through how things how things ended up with you. Um, I uh. It's interesting. I have some structural issues with what happens at the end of the game, but I see how they ended up with the way that they do it. Um, I really enjoyed uh, the the game, and um, I think... The economy kind of breaks in the second half. I think that's um, on purpose. That seems... That feels purposeful to me. Here's the, Yeah, here's the thing. So... I think it depends on when you hit it, right? Like It was yeah, very yeah. satisfying when I hit it, We've gotten some questions. From, let me bring, uh, let me find this one. Uh, uh, so this, this comes from Aaron. Uh, as someone who was min-max pilled at a very young age, which is a very funny phrase, uh, <laughs> uh, I found the systems and mechanics of Citizen Sleeper extremely solvable. I still had a fantastic time with the game, but experienced very little friction before I was able to set myself up to basically never worry about uh, cryo condition, energy, or time. For a game that hits so strongly on themes of deterioration and poverty, do you think Citizen Sleeper would have better been better served with harsher game balance or maybe some difficulty options? Thanks, and keep up all the great work that you do. So I I don't think so because part of the way that you min max those systems is by creating community, right? Mm-hmm. It's by helping other people out so that they can help you in return. And like the only way that you could get to a point where you're like stable and like living life in like a just kind of like maintain like maintaining yourself way is through like helping other people right and like then they'll help you back and i think that is very purposeful it's like what the game is trying to say about ways that we can survive is usually is you know by you know taking taking to communities and helping each other out as like uh, uh um what's the word i'm looking for a counter uh no like um as an, an antithesis to an antithesis to the way that uh capitalism pushes a, a like individualistic narrative right um like the game starts out you're very you are like kind of you know scrambling to get by and like it makes that point very very well uh like there's a lot of stress even though um if you like you know juggle things just the right way you end up never being in any quote unquote real danger i guess of like i never got very low but the stress was always there and like i would i ended up pooling and funds. you didn't want to find out, right? Like, right, this, exactly. Uh, this, is why, this is why I ended up writing a, a piece after talking to, to 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 the game's you know writer designer was, uh, I the game doesn't so many video games communicate what their end state is or if they have an end state and how the end state operates, right? Like, as a matter of like their tutorial or like like they expect the player to encounter it. And what I what I thought generated some of the most stress from Citizen Sleeper was. I don't want to fucking find out. Like, no. it doesn't make sense. I was like, this game has no saved games. You know, it's auto saving constantly. So you can't save scum it. Um, and that gave me the impression that, okay, you probably can't actually 
die or hit a, a, a fail state. There are probably, you know, conditions that will will be some sort of punishment, but you'll just keep going forward no matter what. Um, and then, you know, in, in talking to designer, like they said, one of their like design ethos was like, you know, accepting failure as canon, which then makes a lot of the game and its systems make a ton of sense. Yeah. It's one of the biggest ways that you can see the like TTRPG roots of this thing is the idea of fail forward. Cause like, when you fail a role in like a a role playing game as a GM, you don't want to ever make that be an end unless it feels narratively correct to make it an end. Uh, so like that that sort of sense of like okay, even if you fail, it's it's more that you've changed the narrative stakes, you've changed like the the framing around what is happening to your character. Yeah, I would also say that like for me, Citizen Sleeper is at its core a game about both queerness and also um chronic illness. And like it, it approaches both topics with a, a incredible degree of hope. Uh and is like deeply, deeply hopeful for people living with chronic illness under capitalism in particular. And like for me, hard fail states or even more pressure, while I think resonant would have undercut the game's belief that, like, things can be better. And that, like, people through systems and through community can make each other's lives better and more viable. Um, and I would I would hate to see that hope kind of fade away. Because there's tons of games about, like, being crushed by poverty. Right? I or just wonder, like, significant you know, I, it didn't, t- it was, like, maybe three quarters through my playthrough that I realized I, like, I, you know, I'm, like, just, like, drowning in skill points. And I was like, all right. I, wow, I really wish I had invested in that currency one that like gave everything a discount a lot earlier because that was part of a moment in which, you know, I'd done enough of the mission where like you go all the way to the, the top of the ship and um, you're helping out those folks that are, um, I forget the, the character names, um, but the, you're helping them out, like repair a bunch of things. And, like yeah. the payoff for that Listened. one. What, that, More, Moritz. Yes, yes. <laughs> and the payoff for that one, like, Basically, like I hit the current the currency thing where like everything became twenty percent cheaper. I did their mission, which gave me like five hundred dollars or yeah. whatever, and all of a sudden it was like, oh! And then it also became very easy for me to get my uh my my medicine. It's like mm. at that moment I was like, oh, I did it! Like I climbed I climbed the the mountain, but it also happened at a point that felt very narratively uh like correct. It was like my player has put in the investment that I have er- I have earned the right to not long to no longer stress about those things, and now. I will spend my time investing in the community around me as yeah. I wrap my head around the ending. But I think what like, and this did come up a couple of times. I think some people hit that earlier than felt earned by like, it, it seemed clear to them that like they were supposed to like narratively, it seems like you maybe you're supposed to suffer a little longer before you got to that point. And I can imagine a world in which if you play this game for eight hours, if somehow you broke that curve in the first two, that it would make some of the stuff that comes after feel less, satisfying but it was also an answer i got from the developers he's you know when you're designing rules and and balance for a hundred thousand people like some people are going to slip through the cracks and it's not going to fully work for them and i think this works for most people and that if you identify those min max points early and then are able to exploit them i think that's just sort of the nature of uh how this stuff works that said i wouldn't be shocked if you know this game got an update later that was like hey do you, do you want this to be a little harder early on? Um, but I also think those systems are just kind of there for the, like, it's not that big of a deal, but that was just, that was just my experience with it. I, I, no, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was, I, I, if this is on this current topic, then please go. Uh, Yeah, like, I think that 
um hold on loading uh the 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 curve uh, the thing about the curve is that you have to put things into it in a way mm-hmm. where i can see how and like this happened a few times where depending on the order of operations for certain quests some of the narrative moments felt a little like oh okay like i can see how if i had done that a little earlier i might have hit harder but now it's like oh i did this one later than maybe i should have or i put this one off a little later and like i think there's still some interesting there were still like interesting moments where like oh i could see how if i did this earlier i would have read differently but for the most part all of those systems require a certain amount of your uh, 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 attention or like a uh, uh, effort to un- unlock, right? Like you have to go back and like fill those clocks. You have to like spend time doing that. And maybe to a certain degree, going back to the same place three cycles in a row and just dumping all of your good stuff into one can feel a little less narratively weighty than what is actually happening, right? When you do those things, it's like, oh, I'm going to work a work at the bar, right? I'm going to go spend time at this place. And like the time for us is like three seconds. You put in the dice and then you uh you click the button to make the dice go. But like as a role-playing game, I, I like imagine it as like, no, my character is going to go do this act for some extended period of time. And when like in that frame of mind, even if all I, all I did was spend like a, like two or three cycles, like unlocking this thing that then let me like make a lot of money faster or easier for the character. It's like, Oh, you've spent time in this place and met more people and like, become a better a more integral part of the community which has allowed this access to this other bit and so even even though like i don't think i ever had to stress about money after like i think ethan was the last thing that like made me stress about money was when i was like supposed to be paying his debt or whatever at the bar never did fuck that guy <laughs> yeah no me same i was actually kind of curious what would happen if that timer ticked down but i actually hit i hit um this is one of the ones where i think it felt a little off i hit the end of the of feng's quest where you remove the tracker before the end of ethan's quest came up um so um to like be be clear basically ethan's quest uh ethan is a bounty hunter who's you are his bounty um and at a certain point in his quest, uh, he um, loses the bounty on you, and a new bounty hunter is said to be on the way, and a big clock fills up. Um, but if you remove the tracker before that clock fills up, like you don't get to see what happens. But I know I like looked it up. It's like apparently there is a section where, uh, you know, Ethan's story kind of plays out more uh, dramatically, I guess, than just being like, okay, I I dumped my tracker, therefore no one can follow me anymore. Did either yeah. of you see that end? Randy, you yeah. had some points you wanted to make. Yes, before. I yes, I did. I, one, I did see that end. Um, the thing I've been curious about this whole time is, because I think it's useful to set the stage for our audience in terms of like what each of us saw, is if we could just go through 
the because Kata, you've you've touched on this. Just tell the story of your sleeper real quick. Like, what are the what is what is the order in which you did kind of conclude plot threads or move plot threads along? Because I think that will be helpful. Do you want to start? I, I yeah, I can start. Yeah. Um, I started with Ankita, and this is the thing that like shaped my entire story. Uh, Ankita is a mercenary who has a ship, um, and basically she was betrayed by one of her comrades, and then. You know, you then spend the rest of the time rebuilding her, helping her rebuild her ship. At the end of her narrative, she goes to the part of the ship where the person who betrayed her is. And she goes there to kill them. And she has you find them first. You go there to find them. She goes there to kill them. When you find them, you realize that Ankita has basically fallen, sorry, not Ankita, Ankita's like crew member fell in love with the ship's AI and is putting that AI in the body of a sleeper, uh, in like a in like a sleeper frame, so they can be a person and be a person with huh. that crew member, and the two of them can have a life together. That is that is the end goal of Ankita's storyline. When I showed up there, huh. I had had a pretty good relationship with Ankita in the game. I was like, I'm friends with this woman. I trust her. Yes, she is rough around the edges. Yes, she is a mercenary. I think that I can let her handle this situation and that she will make the right decision here. And she goes to them Hmm. and then she kills both of them in front of you. And the moment after that, so it was this moment where I was like, Oh, I can trust this person. I can, there's this relationship that I've built up over time in the game. No, we couldn't. Sometimes people just do bad shit Sometimes even people you care about do bad shit. And she did. And the shame and guilt of that crushes her immediately. Like, she she does it, and then she turns and looks at your face after she shot a sleeper in the head, and basically realizes what she did, and immediately runs away. Because she cannot handle actively engaging emotionally with a problem. Which is why, when her crew member goes away, she dedicates herself to rebuilding her ship. It's why she shoots them in the head, and it's why, when she's finally asked to be accountable, she runs away. And that was the turning point for my sleeper. That was the first story arc I finished. And so it was this moment where this character who I had, you know, built up in my head is very trusting and is like deeply engaged with other people, has that crushed in front of them and instead has to live with the weight of having not stopped someone they cared about from killing two people. And so the rest of the game, I played with that weight in mind. I had her really, really focus on building up senses like places of community and also intervening in bad situations and making decisions as opposed to standing by the sidelines. Finishing in Kita first totally changed the way I like went through that game. Um, I also did see the end of the, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who comes to kill you. Ethan. Uh, Ethan. The end of Ethan's quest line has Ethan die because mm. basically the dude shows up uh, to kill you after you have paid Ethan's debt and brought him over to your side. Um, and he shoots and kills Ethan. Uh, he also shoots you, uh, the sleeper, uh, but you're able to, in my case, I was able to get a gun and then kill him as well. Um, and so Ethan died in my character's arms again as this major turning point. And so that was like the major arcs of my character's life. And then everything else kind of flows from there with the going to the river and rejecting it. Um, 
uh, setting up the like local crime syndicate as the like de facto community governance body um, of the low end. Uh, and also, finally, when you work on Ankita's ship, the end, it was like that was the last thing I did uh, in my playthrough was finish working on Ankita's repairing Ankita's ship uh, with the shipyard before she flew away. And it was like the game hit in every way it needed to and every narrative part it needed to for it to like really come together for me. For did me, you, oh, go ahead. So Kata. quick question. Did you, what did you, when did you hit Lemon Mina's ending? Uh, oh, actually, Lemon Mina was my last one. Sorry, I okay. misremembered. Um, it was, it was the end of the shipbuilding arc and then, then Lemon the Mina. end of Lemon Mina. Interesting. Yes. Um, who, I mentioned my character actually being willing to make capital D decisions. At the end of the game, I didn't take the ship. And Do you well, know that knowing, you can fuck them over? You can fuck Lemon Mina over? Yeah, you can like not I forget what how it works out, but you can basically be incredibly cruel to them. Yeah. You can create a bad ending for them. Uh, I forget how it plays out. I was reading about it and I was looking up the endings. Yeah. Um well, it really depends on what you consider. This is it's a very the lemon mean thing is the the choice there is very interesting, I think. But let's get um let's get your your path, uh, Patrick. Uh yeah, so for me, basically the game clarified for me once I met Fang. And uh I was like, Yeah, fucking let's create a revolution. Fuck these people. Um, because like the arc of of his is basically like he promises to rip out your tracker if you help him find some information about what's going on and about like uh what is it like that there's a character who like during a previous revolution essentially like hid themselves amongst the populace and um was responsible for a bunch of terrible things happening and now is like this celebrated member of the community that is getting rich again off of uh the backs of everyone and like Fang is like I can I can I can figure this out. I can I can I can find evidence and we can bounce them and we can change this place. And uh and that seemed to go hand in hand with I also need these bounty hunters to stop to get off my back. So it's like <laughs> I'm just all in on on Fang. I was like uh I was like that's gonna be I'm doing other these other things around it, but that is that became the thrust of what I was following. I was always checking in on Fang. I was always advancing that whenever I had an opportunity. That's where all my resources would go. Um and I was actually sort of disappointed, like, there isn't a, f there's not a Fang ending. And I was like, I was, like, you finish a, the quest line and it's really long, like, yeah. to the point that it seemed like, oh, this is going to be a primary thread that ends with a credit roll. And it doesn't. You, like, you accomplish his task. You, 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 you manage to uh, expose some corruption on the ship that can hopefully lead to change. And then he takes out your tracker. And then the game just keeps going. And I found myself at like a real <laughs> loss because I'd sort of already invested as this being the arc of the character. This is where it'll end up. Me and Fang, buddies to the end. Uh, and then Fang's like, uh, peace. I helped. I'm like going to go do, go do my shit. Um, and so then I spent more time kind of like bouncing around. That's this part of the part of the game where like the economy arc got broken for me and I could kind of poke and prod in various places. I could try and. As much as much as I, you know, checked in on that cat, like that didn't seem to amount to anything. And I'm cu curious if there's anything that you, you fed, check in on I that. Mean, you, you feed a cat. You feed the cat. No, but like feed and pet the cat. You feed and pet anything, the cat. Anything. You have um, a cat. And 
And then so, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm kind of floating between all these different missions, like starting to trying to figure out like, okay. Uh, like it really kind of took the winds out of the sails for me in terms of like, I was like, I really invested in this being how things played out. And then I did the, uh, was it the, the nerve mind, you know, like you're helping out the machine. This is what opens up on the, the back half of the ship. Um, sort of like this organism that exists in parallel with the ship that offers you an opportunity. If you, if you go down this mission, uh, like, hey, you can just leave that body behind. You could become part of us, like this more collective. And for me, the, the the what happens is, and this is where the game's like mechanics really pressed me, is like you if you go you when you're presented with this option to like break the thread or to head back to your body, like you can't there's no way to see how both sides work out. It's just uh you're presented this option. You're not going to be able to come back to this. This isn't a situation where like, hey, you've unlocked an ending. You can come back and like figure it out. And it's like, no, uh, you got to make a choice here. And I had so many other missions I had not like finished out. And I was presented with this sort of like choice of finality or like a completionist. Like I can go see more things and how they end out or I can take this option. And for me, the way I viewed my character was, I mean, they never chose this life. They never chose this body. It was thrust upon them. They were essentially, which is not dissimilar to all of us. You know, we don't choose this life. We don't choose these bodies. That is sort of just the world we are born into. But all of these difficulties they were dealing with, even though I'd broken the economy, they were still stuck with this this self that, I don't know, it didn't feel natural to them. And they were offered this opportunity to have something else. And they were the ones making the choice. They were given the choice to reject this have their own new sense of self that was of their own autonomy. And that felt appropriate to the character. It was not how I would like, I Patrick, like I want to go see the other things, but like, but for this character and where they're at, this felt very, this felt very right for them. So I, I chose to become part of the collective leave seeing Len and Mina and all like the other missions play out. You know, I'd done my, I'd done my best to help people, but I didn't also didn't feel like, as Rob put it, I'm not the mayor of this ship. It's not, it is not my responsibility to fix everything before I make a choice for myself. And so I made the choice to become part of that and credits rolled. And that felt, that felt very satisfying, even though I was left with a lot of dangling threads, um, from a, from a mission perspective, but I didn't feel like I'd missed anything. I felt like I had come to a pretty natural conclusion for, for the character. Patrick, you're hitting on something I think is really interesting about the game. And that is one the deep understanding and respect it has for almost all of its endings, right? Mm-hmm. Any choice or path you go down, the game is very clear, like, it's okay to do this. Like, this is, a, this is an, with the exception of apparently the bad end with Lemon Mina, which I, I think is, is unfathomable. Uh, <laughs> you fucking monsters. Um, Wait. What, what is, is the bad the, end? What is the bad uh, end? Do, I thought you knew the bad end. I'll is it, it, well, I'll is, it, it is it a bad end? This is my question. Because okay. the implication... What is, what is the fuck them over ending? Well, I'm trying to look it up. But this is this depends on this is this definitely feels like it depends this depends on your perspective of what that ship is doing. But the fuck them over end is you destroy the the tickets, right? Like you leave them here. Yeah, yes, I think that's you what you then it also it don't go. Yeah, that's not fucking okay. We have very different. Okay, I, I did not read that as fucking them over. And me either. I this was, is what I'm saying. 
because the let other me look it up because there was it was there was a walkthrough that was like well I guess you could do this but this seems sort of cruel um uh but let me look continue on your point I'll try and try and get some clarity on this right so the point I have about the game's endings that I that I find really fascinating is one the game is actively interested in giving you the space to make these decisions about this character great cool but there is also a degree to which the content in in games as like a medium right the path that gives you more capital C content is structurally incentivized, right? This is like kind of the complexity of having the, like the most interesting story be the evil one, right? The quality and amount of content is directly equated to what the game systems are incentivizing. And I think it's really interesting that for Citizen Sleeper, the endings that keep you with that community and that keep you integrated into the relationships that you've built with people are the content incentivized endings, right? Staying and being a part of this place is what the game directly incentivizes through this system. Um, and like kind of ties into its fundamental thesis about how we interact with one another. I think it's, I think it's very well done. Um, yeah. And a really good way to center community values as its like primary thesis while also not punishing players for making the choice um, to kind of take control or autonomy over their own bodies and their own relationships to this place. And, and you yeah. find out after you do an ending that you can go, it will dump you back into the game and then you can go explore other stuff, which I didn't, I decided not to go back and do. I, I kind of just said, no, that was it. I, I I appreciate a game. I'm glad that you have given me the opportunity to experience a sense of like finality and, and closure. Um, but hey, if you want to go see what other stuff you could have done, like go right at it. And I was like, eh. Like I just the moment passed. I was like, I'm good. Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't I don't feel like I need to go do that, which is I think a real testament to the game's storytelling, because so frequently you you, you want to feel like you've checked all those boxes, seen all of seen all of the content um uh before you kind of closed the book on it and like i i thought it was really cool that i finished that when like eh, i'm good i don't so, I, you know I, w- I wanted to see more of lem and mina but i, I guess i guess i won't so you That's didn't okay. see lem and mina or the end of bliss and ankita right then no i didn't see any other i saw one ending and that was just that. the one okay. damn yeah yeah, yeah. so Kata, what was your path it sounds like you also saw multiple endings yes. i'm really curious as to uh, your movement through the game uh so from very early on, uh, my big like focus, which was very funny because you end up not doing barely anything with him, is emph- emphasis uh, and everything. Uh, I kept the an eye out guy. for the fucking yeah, food stall. I fucking love that guy. Uh, yeah, and I kept an eye out for like fucking. What are these fucking mushrooms? It took so fucking long to get to finally. Get I know. To the fucking I was mushrooms. I was sort of disappointed there wasn't like a huge payoff for that. Except, I mean, I get that. I think, cool chat, yeah, so. I think the story is. Really They're good, really but I good, spent but so much time like trying to. That God, became one of these my. Mushrooms? Where the fuck are these? Yeah, mushrooms? <laughs> it was like fang, it just finding some help with like a ripper. Got it on it. First sure. thing I'm gonna do. Also, anytime it seems something leads me to new mushrooms, I'm on it. I'm Let's on go. It. Let's get these mushrooms. Let's fucking go. Um, but yeah, I saw. So I had a very uh a kind of similar end uh arc to. Ren, where the first of like what I realized was going to be the end game was the end of Ankita's quest. I misread the thing that I, I think maybe uh, there was a dialogue or something that I might have misunderstood, but I thought I thought 
the sleep it was the sleeper going the it was going the other way uh when you were saying the they were trying to put the ship mine into a sleeper i straight up thought they were trying to put the sleeper into the ship mine like a neovent situation no it was a, it was a transfer because uh the crew member while on the ship fell in love with a ship mind um, and they developed well, a relationship with one another. Well, that's um, that's that's the thing. That's why I read it the other way was because Ankita said he left for a while and then came back changed. So I thought he met a sleeper on the eye who was dying. I might have. Let me check the order of operations here. Because in my in um, my mind, what he what had happened was he was they they land on the eye. He leaves, and then Ankita says, and then he comes back changed, and. At that point is when he steals the ship mine, and to me it was he met that sleeper and fell in love with the sleeper that had arrived around or just before you, but they, that sleeper didn't uh, end up in a good place, and the only way to save them or the way that Ashton thought they could save them was to upload them into a, into the ship mine. Like the ship mine could hold their consciousness where they couldn't be held anywhere else if their body was failing, right? This was That story was like a sleeper, uh, reaching the end of their like planned obsolescence, not getting the help from the community that we got. Like it's directly kind of like lined up with your character in a way. And like you basically get to see what a bad end would have been for you if you hadn't found community, right? That's mm-hmm. how I read that whole section. Uh was that Ankita essentially becomes the the final the final villain on a run of you never connecting with the community. Um, (laughs) But either way that happens. And then like two cycles later, I get to the green, the green space while I have lemon Mina, like 90% of the way done. Right. And at that point it was like, I see the argument for taking this at this point, but I, f- I want to ha- finish helping my friends, so I'm not going to take it. And that felt, like, really emotionally resonant. And then I start in, like, trying to, like, get around that. I start the Bliss uh, thing pretty late. So, like, I'm not... I'm worried, actually, that I'm going to get on this ship with Lemon Mina before I finish Bliss. Well, the Bliss one requires a ton of attention to see. Yeah, through. and I got it like, like it was. It that, was basically that's the, that when I finally got the reroll mechanic, which I got pretty late into mm. into the game. It was like, boy, wow, this is really saving my ass yeah. to try and move this along to hit their deadlines. Uh, the the thing that I that I um ended up having happen was basically at the end of Lemon Mina there's a countdown to when the ship actually leaves to when you have to actually mm. board and the bliss was one cycle the bliss one where uh there was going to be one last job was one cycle behind that so again i get up to that moment of like should i go and the thing that's keeping me back like ren mentioned is kind of technically more content but narratively it's i have unfinished business and I feel like helping these people that have helped me in certain ways, like or like helping people in this place, is the only reason I've survived. Right. And like, so I have to, I want to, I want to pay it forward. So I, I let them go. Um, I guess, just, yeah, like some of this is like, how much do you feel a connection to the I, yeah, and the people there, or was this just a way station, uh, you know, where you do the good that totally. you can on your way to 
you know, whatever's next. And like, it seems like that's the, the difference between like my playthrough and both of yours is I just consider like, well, you know, I'm here and I'm here for as long yeah. as I need to be here and not in a like selfish sort of way, but just sort of a, you know, uh, I don't, I didn't feel the need to sort of, I didn't feel like my community it was more just like I was here. I tried to do the good I could I, while I was I here definitely, and now I'm on to the next thing. I definitely felt like that almost up to the end. It's like I have to help one last person, but then there'll be another way off the ship. I have to help right. one last person and then there'll be another way off the ship. And then I get to the last way off the ship, which for me, Bliss and Ankita, that came last. And that's when I realized, oh, Ankita's running. Ankita can't find community here. She's fucked up bad. And I'm like, but I have people I still care about at this point. So that's why I end like up making the decision. I need, I need to go back and cat. feed this cat every single day. <laughs> as soon as I unlocked the secret, the secret, the extra apartment yeah. and could feed the cat, I fed that cat three cryo turn, every turn, single day. Out, actually, kind of what we're discovering is that had they not included this cat feeding <laughs> option, you might have left this this ship. Oh my but this, god! The cat feeding option I had to grounded you the to cat. the eye. Um, but no, yeah, it it just worked. It ended up for uh, there are a couple other times where narrative things happen. Where, uh, for example, when I hit the end of the Fang quest line and my tracker gets taken off, you go to the the compressor bar where he's been hanging out when you're where you're supposed to be paying his debt Mm -hmm. and you have a moment that is kind of vague enough that technically it works narratively but very obviously is meant to happen before ethan uh loses the contract on you and i was like oh that's kind of weird uh, I, I see what they're doing and like it still technically works with where i am at which where i left that was between Ethan losing the contract on you and the next person showing up. The next person hadn't shown up for me when I finished Fang. Um, however, the way that these three endings played out for me felt so like I wouldn't have had it any other way. Like I couldn't have imagined another, like I had to like walk up to the threshold and reject it three times to really realize, Oh, this is just where I live. Like this is where this is my community now. Um, and like really walk up to the threshold because I thought I was gonna leave with Lemon Mina until like the last fucking second. <laughs> like you know, I was in the the gangplank on the gangway or whatever, like seeing them get on before I made the decision to back out. I think my question kind of is that um, I, I think I came to the decision to stay a lot earlier, and I'm curious when did you finish the still? Uh, early. Early, it was it was uh, maybe like it was before I finished Ankita's stuff. Like I've That's definitely what you're building finished... out of the bar, right? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're yeah. See, I, I unlocked that so late that I like that, that would have been one that I would have gone. I went. I would have had to go back to and and clean up. Um, but but, uh, but for so me, still... something about that felt like I've helped her get. I've helped Tala get up, get up and running. But she doesn't necessarily need my help anymore. And like I love to go back there and I love to work shifts and like cook mushrooms and hang out. But like that felt conclusive enough to me that I was like, okay, if I leave, she's she's set up. Right? Like I'm not leaving someone in a lurch, essentially. Right. I and I and I would agree. I also finished it relatively early, but I finished it after Ankita. Oh. I think for me 
for me, watching Ankita kill those two people changes my character's relationship with that place. Right. Fundamentally. Because from that point forward, she is always trying to be engaged and, and present and not stand by in situations. Right. And not, like, trust. Is that what you chose during that? Did you stay quiet during the Ankita situation? Yes, because I thought she wouldn't pull the trigger. Oh no! I, I thought fucking, she was my friend, and I thought she wouldn't pull the trigger. No, I, I, the second that she showed up and got got aggro, like I picked every single dialogue option that was like, no, stop! Like, what is happening? Uh, and in some ways, almost kind of cursed myself for not seeing this being the end. Like, it was definitely a very like my sleeper should have seen this coming. Uh, and kind of kicks themselves for not having seen it coming. Right. Same. So did did Ankita kill them for you? Yeah, yeah. I don't know that there's yeah. any other ending, even though there is... Um, I had to alt F4 the game uh, halfway through that scene because I had to restart my computer. Uh, and I came back and like I realized there was the option to not call Ankita. I'm to really curious what happens there. Uh, but I, I did the same thing. I, I did the thing that I was going to do as I was halfway through the thing, which was call her in like we had agreed and watched it all play out. Um, yeah, that, that it went the same for me. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I think that also I, I did a lot of the after Ankita's arc, I mostly focused on the uh, the doctor's arc because I, I finished Fangs pretty early. Uh, I did the doctor's arc. Uh, and then I did the uh, collective consciousness arc with like with the the one yeah. that joins the uh, first AI you meet. Did you the, have the commune um, unlocked before Ankita, or did you do Ankita first and then get the commune? I did Ankita up until the point where you need the commune, right? Uh, right, and, and then, then I has... unlocked that area, and that was the first thing I did in that area. Right, the yeah. first thing I did in the commune area was watch Ankita kill two people. Oh my god. Um. Also, I didn't build an apartment until the end of the game, until after I'd finished all of the endings, because my character didn't need to. She was sleeping on couches of like friends and people who she like cared about and like relationships that, that had also developed the cat over didn't the course care of the game. For in your run is what you're saying. <laughs> Here's the thing: a, a mm-hmm. small thing that I did was after I did all of the endings, I thought to myself, "Just cycle through 300. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just take care of this cat and make up for lost time." Uh, legitimately yeah not like specifically to take care of the cat but because i was like this has been a lot and my sleeper hasn't had time to rest yet the sleeper so needs to sleep <laughs> after exactly after the end of the game after all the credits roll after i've seen all of the credits i went back to the apartment and i looked at my stash of money and i was like i'm just gonna give the sleeper like a week's worth of cycles mm-hmm. where all she has to do is go cook some food at the bar, hang out with Emphis, go home, feed her cat, and then go to bed. Just like a week of having the ability to take space Mm -hmm. and like hang out with people she cares about. Because I was like, I feel like this character deserves that after all of this. They get to have this life here that they've really genuinely built. And like, part of my decision with Lemon Mina is that like, the decision to bring Lemon Mina along is dependent on you having to go. And one, my sleeper wasn't ready to go. And two, Mina's happy there. Like, that's the thing. Like, Mina has friends and community. And the person who's driving them off is Lem because he's afraid of what being there means. 
And after doing all of this work to try and make the eye a better, more habitable place, after doing a ton of work doing community building in the low end, the thing at the end of the game was I wanted to prove to him that this was a good place to live and it's a place worth living. And so at the end, the final ending I got was his, and he talks about the three-body problem, where he's like, we are now three bodies affecting one another infinitesimally forward. And that is good, and I'm glad I'm here. And I was like, yeah, this is this is perfect. I was I was worried about that ending and um in like the way that my uh character got to that scene was still very much in the like headspace of like the eye isn't home yet right like i i hit that one like right in the like in between moment and i felt mm-hmm. like too big of a decision for me to make for them but i'm glad to hear that it ends up like like you were saying earlier like the endings aren't there aren't like really bad quote unquote bad versions. It's just mm-hmm. the version you chose of those separate endings um still playing out in like you know good or interesting ways. Uh there's a, a question from Liv. Uh <laughs> hello snoozers. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. It's good. Uh how did you folks handle the emotional weight of Citizen Sleeper's storytelling? I had multiple tear-filled breakdowns around real-life similarities to needing expensive medicines to deal with chronic pain. What self-care do you use uh, if a game drops reality on you? Love all that you do. Live. Uh, usually something like... I mean, this is obviously going to be personal for everyone, but like, I, I, I tend to have to break it up into chunks uh if like a particularly hard scene happens and i'm like damn i gotta sit with that for a bit i'll go play something kind of more tactily uh forward like uh a, uh you know like an arcadey sports game or something where i can turn like the emotion part of my brain off for a little bit but still have like Exp- yeah kinetic experience different yeah yeah exactly um Things like that, and or like go, uh, like do some errands or something, like really disconnect fully from just playing games. But like, if I'm like sitting down and I'm like, this is the only time I have to play games, but something hit me particularly hard, I definitely, yeah, I go to like the opposite end of like, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna pull up roller champions now and just fucking roll around and throw a ball around, and uh, that's what I'm gonna do while I process. It's a good game, (laughs) it's a good game, and it's free. Okay, <laughs> and it's and it's not like Diablo Immortal, where it just like wants to crack open yeah, no. your wallet. I mean, it, it doesn't so far. Like you gotta buy like things to make you look cool. It's but probably all cosmetics, right? Yeah, and that's chill. You can buy some cosmetics. Uh, buy some hair. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I thought Citizen Sleeper especially felt so well designed to be played in. I mean, I know Ren did not do this. I believe Ren did the exact opposite of this, which was got a code for Citizen Sleeper and then played for eight hours. Um, but and <laughs> you can do that. Day. That's yeah. you can shotgun. Yeah. Uh, you know th- this game. You can't. But I, I, I was like Kato, where like I would finish little arcs and then be like, that feels good. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna set this down, go do something else. Yeah. Um, 
And regardless of, I mean, certainly uh, more so when it, it was like emotionally charged, but even, but even like absent that, like I, I really enjoyed the, even though the game doesn't have like quote unquote levels, um, there were lots of moments that felt like, ah, like I did something that felt really satisfying. I, I'm going to take a break, come back and I'll, you know, put another 90 minutes into the game later. For me, the order of operations is actually reversed in terms of the having a bad feeling from a video game. Uh, and then like, instead for me, I actually, I generally use media to process emotions. There was a really long period in my life for probably about four years. This only changed very recently where, um, I never cried, um, and would only cry at media. That was the only thing that could actually get me to cry was moments in media that felt resonant. Even after like experiencing a lot of grief, I just, I just couldn't. Uh, and so for me, media is something that I use to process and, and difficult media specifically is what I use to process emotions because I'm not someone who can really pull away from things, putting something at a distance or being like, ah, that was really heavy. I've got to go think about that does not work for me. I cannot distract myself. Um, and so instead, I kind of have to tackle every problem I have or every emotion directly and immediately, or it will just weigh on me for too much time. Uh, and so that's part of why I beat Citizen Sleeper all in one sitting is because I was like, I want to directly engage with this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the game does a really good job of, of letting me do that, of letting us, of letting all three of us take our own approaches to like processing like the difficult shit that the game often talks about and mm. i think for me to to note one thing this person says uh, about the heaviness of like the game being about chronic illness is that i also played the game during a, a pretty bad spike uh in my in my narcolepsy because i was out of medication um in april when we got the code and so it was actually really cathartic to engage with a story that has that much hope for living and finding community with people in chronic illness and the ability to like the ability to be treated outside of capitalism because i think there's often this fear that if capitalism is a system you know if even if it were to break down well what happens to me my medicine is hard to make and costs ten thousand dollars what do trans people do when the medical establishment can't actually provide hormones and citizen sleepers answer is that communities build the tools to support those people and make those medications the sleeper through working with the commune is able to develop a substitute for the stabilizer people are biohacking estrogen every day now and so like it was deeply hopeful and i think most media ends up being deeply hopeful and makes it easier to process heavy emotions uh, a really good uh, I don't really make the connection until right now when you're making those points, Ryan, but a really good like, sort of like narrative companion piece of this is I, I feel like not enough people watch this show, Station Eleven on HBO Max, which is the it's based on a book. Um it's one season. Um it was the showrunner was one of the head writers on The Leftovers, which is also a show that is extremely like bleak and dark and about grief, but is also incredibly hopeful about about that process. Um the Station Eleven is a it's a post-apocalyptic story. It technically is about like a, you know, a flu-like virus that kills 99% of the population. That's the premise, but it doesn't, doesn't wallow in that. I mean, it impacts the storytelling, you know, obviously, but it is, it is a show in which 
most poke most apocalypse stories are about how, like a Mad Max sort of situation. How would people tear each other apart when all the structures that we are used to fall apart? Um, well, they'd all kill each other and they'd all eat each other and be fighting for water. And then Station Eleven is like, nah, no, like actually, like just new communities would form and people would support each other. There'd be conflict, like there would still be death, there would be violence in the ways that like, of course are going to happen as a result of like a lot of humans, or in this case, fewer of them, but still many of them interacting with one another, but actually just new community bonds would form. Like there's like an episode in the show that's like, what happens when there are no hospitals for mothers to give birth in? It's like people, people make their own structures and they make it work. And it's like the, the answers they arrive at are really fascinating and interesting. And it's also a show that's very helpful, hopeful about people and what they would do in the absence of the structures that we've come to rely on. So if you liked this, like, even though it's not sci-fi, I, I find a lot of narrative through line in uh, Station Eleven. And it's, it's just an extraordinary show that I, I felt like kind of got, got overlooked. Um, yeah. I mean, like people are delicate machines built for, built for feeling. That is, that is what the human body does. It is a, it is a weird fucked up machine that is designed to take in an obscene amount of sensory input and process it. And it's really overwhelming and terrible, but community is like the way to process that collectively. Mm -hmm. And media to me and art is always an extension of community. Um, and so in the same way that like leaving to go play something else is a way of processing emotion with other people and like taking your mind off things. So too is me throwing myself into media when things get bleak. I think it's, I think it's a really, I think it's neat. People are cool. Uh, this touches on something that we already kind of discussed, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to reiterate it. Was I alone and constantly going back to the apartment to feed the stray cat? <laughs> we, the citizen sleeper community demand a dedicated stray cat ending. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Anonymous. I think that's the ending that me and Ren got is the, that is <laughs> yeah. the stray cat. You go back and you keep feeding the cat every once in a you while. You live there. And you, you feed live the cat. there and you have a cat. Yeah. Like the cat, the cat hangs out with you. That is having a cat. I regret to inform you yeah. that is what having a cat. I guess is. there was. You know, I think there is. There's no event, right? And I, I think there's actually there's is one the of the one, right? Just at the beginning, but that's it. Yeah, what like like unlocks it being a, a repeatable yeah. action. Um, right. But then beyond that, there's no like, oh, hey, like meet the cat, get the, described the cat. You know what I mean? Like it just sort of you have to imagine those things are occurring. And I think like in conjunction with the way the game doesn't tell you about its, you know, potential fail states. Uh, I like the, I kind of like the fact that this question is even asked because it's the game being very smart about what it does and doesn't do with the storytelling. It's mm -hmm. like, well, no, like storytelling is occurring. It's just like, you, you're not getting a scripted response from, you know, the, the, the writer. And I think, yeah. I think that's cool. The fact that you want the, the stray cat ending, like is a compliment to the way this game does handles its narrative. Mm hmm. Uh, Patrick, but, I, but if there? like they wanted, if they wanted to add like a stray cat ending, that'd like, be sick. That'd be that sick. that'd that be might get sick. me to go yeah. back into the game. <laughs> well, that, <that's, laughs> I didn't see any of the other endings. That's something, but, that, but I might go back for that. That's something that I found interesting about it. Actually, sending you back, even though you chose that ending, is like I kind of assumed that it would just end. Um, mm -hmm. and like I, I understand the choice to like let you go back, but like it felt pointed that when I chose not to join uh credits rolled still but then it spits you back out like i was mm -hmm. a little worried actually and minorly upset that after choosing to go back 
I thought I wasn't going to get to continue because <laughs> of the point of me going back was to go mm-hmm. help those other people. But the game luckily is like, yes, actually, that is that is the point. You're going to you you can continue if you want. Also, there's the piece of writing for rejecting yeah. that for rejecting a river is just gorgeous. It is just like it is one of the most human things I've I've read in in a minute. Just the feeling of describing coming back into your body and realizing that someone is holding your hand mm-hmm. is it, it's really sweet. It's really sweet and well delivered. Uh and I and I and I enjoyed it a lot. Um good video game. Especially someone who like spent all this time supporting you and giving you the resources to be able to support yourself and like this is yeah it's the fact that you wake up to the woman who made it so that you don't need stabilizer anymore Mm -hmm. because you helped her and she is holding your hand and you're there and it's fine as you were saying patrick uh i didn't experience this because i didn't go down this 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 quest uh far enough um but um, the two of you sounds like this was one that you've, you've thought about. The side rail going away to found a new colony is a common theme in space capitalism stories. It's usually either a tale of frontierism or one of various utopian visions coming to ruins when the ship reaches its destination or not. I didn't feel a sense of hope in the opportunity to board that ship. I'm not sure if that's a cynicism about the allure of green fields, particularly those funded by a giant corporation seeking freedom from bureaucracy or a simple fear of the unknown. But Lem wanted to believe things would be different. Did you believe? I definitely didn't like that entire the entire end of that was uh quest line was really fraught at one point I tried to look up I tried to see if there was a spoilerless like how many ways can this go type of walkthrough <laughs> and like didn't really I was I was like no never mind I'm just gonna play it out because I think this is what my character would would do is that like I wanted to I, I didn't believe especially with the caster stuff right like caster coming up and being like Hey, hey! I'm gonna uh, if uh, if you're cool with it, I'm gonna use you to spy on this corporation, and that like made it feel a little bit better. It's like okay, well at least I'm gonna be helping undermine some of the corporation's stake in this if I do right. end up getting on this ship, and like I'm so glad there was the last second eject. Like it felt so right for me to have the last second eject of like seeing Lem and Mina get on the ship, but then like backing off and like imagining and hoping that you know mina gets to feel rain on her skin in some future where they're happy again um but in general was very weary of the entire like what the ship uh was doing and represented and like you know it kind of very it very much like allegorically felt to me just like the way that certain hopeful and peaceful futures for people is inextricably becomes tied up with capitalist structures. And there was part of me that wanted to make Lem see that, but I wasn't, I played a little too much into like not knowing whether or not destroying those tickets was going to cause him to like hate me or something. Like I I wish I could have had the discussion with them before the opportunity came up. Cause then I would have maybe had the discussion instead. Mm-hmm. I kind of followed through because I couldn't talk with Lem before being like, okay, I have these tickets. Right. Um, which is, I, I mean, a good, a, an interesting way to set up that, that conflict and like played out kind of per- beautifully for my, my character's arc. For me, it didn't matter if my sleeper really believed because like, 
for as my sleeper could believe that that place would have been great and that utopia was possible there. But that belief was overridden by my character's belief that utopia was possible there. The eye has already done the work of breaking from capitalism once. Yeah. Uh, or, or partially breaking from capitalism once. Fang continued that work. People in the low end are continuing that work. The low end, where Lem and Mina live, like, when the end of the low end arc is one of my favorites in the game, mm-hmm. because you see what was once like a, a slightly aggressive community institution get reformed into something that is primarily focused on community care and and not like pressuring one another. And so for me, for as much as the side rail could have been another utopia, the eye was the one that I lived on already. Right. And was the one that Lem and Mina lived on already. Like there is the things that Lem and Mina want are there. There is a place with green skies and like a self-sustaining ecosystem. It's just over there. Get on a ferry and you can go there. And that's the, that is the thing that I actually wanted from the Lemon Mina ending was the opportunity to go places with them mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, like to spend more time with Mina and like take her to different parts of the ship and have her realize how sick it is. And she does know how sick it is because she has friends there. And I didn't want to take her away from them. Um, we've covered all the other questions that people sent in. Uh, across the discussion is there any other closing thoughts i was super i'm super curious what y'all thought or felt about the sleeper situation like the actual sleeper situation because the bits that we get of it are very interesting and i'm curious how y'all read it about like what do you mean your past like where you come from Mm -hmm. like we we get that Yes, there's some sort of contract signed with a corporation and you were built and you were emulated from a like human being's mind. But how did you read what is up with that human being? I didn't give a shit. <laughs> Frank, <laughs> frankly, uh, which is I, fair. I just didn't yeah. Ca- I just yeah, I just didn't care. Um, uh, and because the game doesn't spend a lot of time building out that past like it's it's not as though this is a game where it's like ah and your mysterious past will become you know or like you you'll run into someone on the eye that you know is able to you know tell you what would what was up before you arrived here um it's just the games yeah it's just the bits that it did come through painted a very specific picture in my mind and i was curious whether or not that like happened no i think i was more interested in reading in reading what the sleeper themselves represents than it was in, in unpacking the person's story. But I'm, I'm curious, how did you, how did you read the situation? Well, part of me and like, I didn't mention this earlier cause I was, I wanted to have this point before talking about the decision I made at the green and like how difficult that was. Uh, part of me feels like that person is still asleep. Like the the things that we mm. get, the hints that we get, people make allusions to the fact that the person that our body, our mind is emulated from, is still is in cryo sleep at the corporation. Like they are not living a life right now; they are simply waiting for your contract to be done, and then they get to wake up. Which is kind of a hmm. bleak fucking thing. And Ooh. made here's the thing though: what's interesting about this is that in fiction the idea is that if your body dies and like 
the then the contract is up and like they they let the person go and like that person like won't be accruing money anymore or whatever the contract was exactly but it actually made it makes a more it made a really compelling case for the the becoming part of the ship ending that patrick chose where that in my mind i was like shit if i become part of the ship and let my body die that person gets to wake up like maybe that is also worth it um wouldn't that wouldn't that also necessarily in like in that reading of it i guess like if you disable your tracker by all accounts the sleeper is dead and you know what I mean? I, I wonder, wonder if that I, would also cause. I wonder, but it was an, something about an, <laughs> the 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 way that it was talked about. And maybe this is just because of the order I hit things in. Maybe like that is technically the case. But like the I remember the bits that I heard was something about like your body, uh, like dying had to be the thing. But maybe yeah, maybe cutting the trackers enough for them to let them go. But anyways, that's what was that was that that was what was in my mind when I got to the choice to whether or not to uh become part of the green or not and like making the and like it kind of added an extra twist of like pang to like oh uh did that just kind of doom did did staying kind of doom the person that I that I came from's life at the end like you don't really know, right? Like there is no, and there is kind of no way to know. And ultimately you kind of have to like, it is, it feels more like a metaphor of letting the past go and making a better future for yourself and the people around you. And like, you know, creating that community, regardless of what the past might have, you know, had in it. Um, But yeah, it was, it was an interesting, like there's, they only talk about it like three times total, I feel like. And it, it, yeah, it was interesting that it seemed to hint that that person was still trapped. Yeah, I mean, for me, that person effectively not only created a life, but created a life specifically to be sold into slavery. Right. To a corporation. And by the end of the game, like, I, I not even by the end, by very early, I was like, okay, cool, you have made a person, they have as much right to life as you do. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to play the sleeper as a human being with a full life who has the right to it as much as the person who built them did. Um, and I never wanted to make the choice, even if it was, the game was like, Oh, you can have the other original. No, no, never. Um, not if it meant let like leaving this place that I cared about. Um, yeah, especially by this... the, especially by the end. I, I think I got some of that information kind of in the midway point of my, and I thought maybe that would come to a head. But I actually enjoy that the game decides that that is not that is not the focal point here. It is not the past. The focal point is not the past. It is the the present. Yeah, I also think that like the sleeper. I think that the sleeper as like a character construct and as a concept is is really really interesting. I've kind of talked about the. Um, intersection between chronic illness and, and queerness that I kind of see in the sleeper, but like the sleeper is one chronically ill and dependent on a medical, like a, a capitalistic corporatized medical system, uh, uh, and stabilizer, um, one, but they're also immediately visually identifiable. When you walk yeah. down the street, everyone knows you are a sleeper. And that carries weight. And some people treat you like shit because of it. Other people are afraid of you or do not understand you. And so the ways in which those 
the game understands chronic illness and, and queerness as inextricably linked in this specific body was so interesting to me and so clearly aligned with my understanding of my own queerness and my own chronic illness that like I had no interest in who that person was before in the same way that like I often describe my own relationship to queerness as like no one died but someone grew up to be a ghost right there was not a clean break but like yeah that person's gone and so what do we do with what we have next and so I I focused entirely on the sleeper as a character construct yeah i definitely had a similar uh kind of uh starting point until i i figured i I don't remember who says maybe it was caster felt like it might have been caster who mentions it um when i first got like a sense of that being the truth of them is that they're still stuck under that capitalist construct that's that was the first time i just i like really even considered who that person was for a moment Mm -hmm. um but like yeah i think the you know the game does a really great job of uh making the kind of like giving that sense of the other of being othered in a space Mm -hmm. um you know that's that both works for queerness and like for race i am imo like there's mm-hmm. a lot of resonant moments of like oh yeah i yep mm-hmm. you know right uh, god the fact that the only other sleeper you encounter in the game is a corpse is mm-hmm. just is is just brutal yeah um yeah and then the person patrick you wouldn't you didn't get to this but no kato i forget did either of you see the person who comes to kill you no, I got the the, the second that. person yes. after Ethan. No, I did yeah. not. Okay, I did because I treated that as a game overstate. I was like, I, I like fucked around until I got like three fourths through that mark that countdown. I was like, all right, time to <laughs> time, time to, to finish off Fang's quest. Yeah. <laughs> so I did meet him, uh, and one of the many things that he reveals is that that is just his job. Ethan was a bounty hunter, sure. Right. But this dude is the only thing he does is kill sleepers. The ship at the beginning of the Ooh. game um, that you find a sleeper on, uh, that you find like that the the um, that the salvage yard guy tells you had it once had a sleeper on it. Yeah, right. He was the one who blew up that ship. Like he was the assassin who killed every other sleeper you know there, mm. uh, or who attempted to kill every other sleeper you know or encounter. And so it's. I don't know. I, I think I think it's a fascinating and terrifying yeah. dude. Um, and I'm glad it got fucking ethered. Well, then that's a good note to stand on to end this uh, conversation about uh, Citizen Sleeper, a game. Uh, well, we we all liked just a tiny bit. Uh, <laughs> I think I think Rob's played it as well, so hopefully we'll get some of his yeah. thoughts. Or he's working his way through it, so um, so we'll have to get his his thoughts on it. Um, when he, I'm sure uh, we'll talk about severance and then that will also, yeah, that seems to be, up. yeah, well, cause he, yeah, he took today, today off and we're going to, uh, I think we're doing a severance podcast later this week. And he was like, don't worry, I'm just going to launder my severance thoughts through citizen sleeper. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. That or works. The other way around. Uh, <laughs> citizen sleeper thoughts through severance. So, yeah. 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 So look forward to that, uh, later this week. I'm excited to watch those final two 
episodes because I've heard so much about the finale. Uh, yeah, I know. That's the noise everyone makes. God. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, I can't God. wait. Uh, uh, that's hopefully what I'm going to do uh, tonight. So um, that is going to do it. Uh, that's a wrap on today's episode of Waypoint Radio. If you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us on Twitter at Waypoint. Um, our theme music is Bo N. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Uh, you can learn more at waypoint.zone slash Bowen. Uh, you can follow me at Patrick Klovic. Ren, where can people follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at Ren or Raven. Cotto. At A underscore Cotto underscore appears. Yeah, so yeah, we got the Severance Pod. Um, what, Ren, you and Rob are going to do some more Warhammer, I think? Probably. Um, what else do we got? Uh, more Payday? Right? I was quite sure. Possibly. Quite sure. Maybe oh, the, the, this is the beginning of the summer of games. Right. Yes. We, um, we'll, uh, like clarify our, uh, plans on that on, on Twitter. But yeah, we are, we are at least going to, um, we're going to live stream and chat about the, uh, Jeff Keighley thing, uh, on, on Thursday, uh, the, uh, Microsoft Bethesda, Bethesda thing on, uh, Sunday. Uh, had I known, there'd be as many kind of bangers in that PlayStation one, which we can talk about when we, we do the other ones. Uh, Oh, we should. Final yeah. Fantasy trailer looks pretty fucking good. Shit. I'm excited about that game. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we're gonna do a couple of those, um, talk over those, uh, over the weekend as we lead up to this, like kind of pseudo E3. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then we'll be getting together later this month, uh, which I'm very excited about, at least until, at least until COVID ruins all of it. And now I'm like God. so worried because, I like either had it and never knew it or uh, like we're getting through the end of like, you know, like the getting on the other side of the current spike in a lot of places, like especially in where where I'm at. But it's like, I've got this thing, you know, I'm coming out to see all y'all in, in two weeks. (laughs) I have like my first major family vacation in two years, like in the middle of July. And I'm just like, fuck man. Like this is like the one run like I really don't want to get it yeah. <laughs> because it would yeah. it would impact a lot of a lot of other things. So we'll cross our fingers, but we'll be we'll be back uh, later this week with a uh, some sort of regular pod. I think we're going to record it after the Keeley thing, and uh, but we'll we'll let everyone know as that gets along. But thanks everyone for watching. Uh, fuck capitalism. Fuck space capitalism. Go home. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Nice, good, yeah. Good pod. <laughs> and then you should just put in that clip of Biden telling Musk to go to the moon. Oh my God. <laughs> you just put that at the end. That would make <laughs> Fucking quiet. Fucking quiet.
that dude's a dipshit, but that line was extremely funny and makes made me laugh uh-huh. many times. Yeah, laugh in that sort of like, <laughs> oh god, <laughs> yep. way. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Go to the moon. Oh, fuck. Um, Great pod, oh, yeah. That was okay. really fun. Yeah. Love. That was a really good one. Glad we got to talk about that game. It's yeah, so good. glad we managed to, to sneak that in. So, um, great. Here's the link, y'all. Drop your files when you can. Oh yeah, I'll do that right now before I go eat lunch. Yeah, because I gotta. I'm gonna. Well, that's not shit. <laughs> hmm. That's not. What's going on, Kato? I was looking something up. There we go. I guess you could. I guess you could have pasted worse things. <laughs> I was looking something up. I was uh googling. Yeah, that's uh-huh. <laughs> hotbabes.net. No, no, I uh <laughs> doing research just for my, my screenplay. Minecraft, my screenplay. This is Minecraft.net. My, my screenplay can have hot babes. I can do whatever I want in my screenplay. <laughs> That that specific intonation of my screenplay has been stuck in my head for years. Is that uh, from? That's how what, I imagine. What the, does it the, sound the, the like? Famous the tweet that my wets. That's how I imagine my, that. My wets. My wets. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of the fucking scientist from The Simpsons. That's that's what that is pulling mm, in my mm, mind. Mm, you know. Mm, 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 mm. Whoa. Someone talked about uh, uh, on a thing I was listening to once uh, about their tendency, no matter what they drop, if they drop literally any object, they go, my screenplay. Uh, and then <laughs> that, that bit became so stuck in my head. That's a very that funny like, bit. <laughs> the development of the voice was extremely fun. Nice. My okay, screenplay. <laughs> also, I've, God, my, my Werner Herzog is getting excellent. We all gotta work on our skills, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's apparently a place near me called uh, Benny's, um, which is like a French, like, patisserie uh, and um, coffee shop. I thought, for a second, I thought you said a Denny's. Like, a place called Denny's? Some weird restaurant called Denny's? As a woman from Ohio, how dare you suggest (laughs) that I am not well familiarized with the Denny's Denny's franchise? I thought that was extremely, very funny to be, Uh, propose that to another person. Have you heard? heard. Good word. My brother in Christ, have you heard the word? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's like a food but whoa <laughs> that's gonna be a good tagline it's like food but whoa <laughs> um all right should we go to time that is recording like if you turned up the gain on a restaurant <laughs> it's i mean it's true and that game goes up the later it gets God. And nothing changes about the restaurant. It changes mm-hmm. about you. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, the restaurant is changed by the audience. Yeah. <laughs> God. Same thing goes for like a steak and shake. They're very different establishments, but the mm-hmm. gain does get turned up on steak and shake progressively because <laughs> without fail, there is a theater, a bunch of theater kids say, who just got yeah, off their last, it's, it's, their last performance. Steak and shake is very teen focused. Yeah. That's my experience with it. Theater kids who just got off their last performance, or there is a convention in town, and there are 24 people at one table, and all of them are yelling because they do not do social interaction off the internet.
<laughs> those are my those are my steak shacks experiences. I was part of those groups both times and was extremely extremely embarrassed and anxious both times. Should we uh, clap, Kyle? Grin? Yeah, I'm ready. Y'all can clap whenever. Uh, That's right. Fuck. <laughs> um, do you want to do? Uh, let's do 57. You want to pick, Ren? Let me know. What what number you want to do? Can we do 57? Sure. Sorry, I got excited. Let's put a marker right there. <laughs> a marker on my recording. <laughs> I don't even know how you would do that. I don't even know how to can, you, can you do that and not ask? Yeah, I have no idea. Probably. Probably. I wouldn't hit any buttons while Audacity's recording, though. I'm not going to hit <laughs> I don't even look at Audacity while it's recording for fear of upsetting it. Yeah. Like, I, if Audacity's recording, I am giving it space. I am giving it privacy. <laughs> you go do what you need to do over there. I will go hang out in a different room while Audacity does its work. <laughs>